your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn with me in chapter 8 of Matthew's Gospel. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, maybe you have it on your U version on your phone or your smart tablet, your iPhone or um, iPad. But if not, then you can look up on the screen here in just a moment. And we're going to read for you such an amazing passage of Scripture. So it's a short text today. It's only four verses, but it is just a riveting, really a mesmerizing story of Jesus and his one. So thank you so much, David Winkler. It was a very powerful time of worship with our orchestra. And thank you, Sean, and the college ministry. God bless you guys. You all did a fantastic job leading us. So thank you very much. So as we continue in our study uh, for the one, we have, um, if my calculations are right, we have today and three more sermons in this series for the one. And then as the Lord wills, I'm preparing a new series of messages on preaching the paintings, and I'm going to study uh, some of the famous uh, religious paintings in the world and show those to you and preach a sermon based upon the sacred text that these paintings are based upon. So I, I pray that you'll be praying for me about that. And then as the new year comes, we're going to begin the new year with a systematic study of the Word of God. We're going to look at the book of Acts, and that is a long book. And Jesus just might come again before I finish the book of Acts. But uh, that is my um, homiletical plan for Great Hills as the Lord wills, and if He's so gracious to tarry and allow us to, to study together. So we're in a study right now called For the One. For the One represents, first of all, the life of Jesus and how He pursued the one individual. Uh, when you read the New Testament, you will notice that He was always concerned for the individual. Yes, he preached to the masses. In fact, in this text, he just finished preaching to what, what was known as the greatest sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 through 7. And immediately after that, uh, this story takes place. And so we, we at Great Hills, we've been looking at this for many months now, and, and we're hoping that it'll just rub off on us that as Jesus interacted with the one, so that we might be able to interact with our ones. And I have to commend you over and over. So many of you have, have shared with me, uh, Miss Martha Lott, God bless you on Friday after we uh, preached Dan Reddington's uh, funeral message and, and what a sweet time that was. I was walking out and here comes Miss Martha. She said, Pastor, hold on a minute. I gotta tell you something. And I was like, okay, and what, what's up? And she goes, I gotta tell you about my one the person I had an opportunity to share with. And I just want you to know, if you ever, ever want to encourage your pastor, whoever that pastor may be, if you go up to him and just say, let me tell you about the person that I had the opportunity of sharing Christ with, oh my word, it just does wonders for uh, the, the pastor, preacher, man of God. So today we're looking at Matthew chapter 8. I'm going to read the text and we're going to study it this way. We're going to look at the, the context or the, what I've called the setting of the text, all right? And then we're going to look at this real palpable sickness that just emanates, just leaps off of this text because there is a very definite sick person that Jesus ministers to. And like every sermon, we want to maximize and accentuate and focus on the Savior, which is Jesus Christ. And then a very peculiar ending to the story today is what I've called the silence, where Jesus explicitly commands them to be quiet and don't say anything about this. And we'll look at that in just a moment. But before we do, let me, let me pray for you one more time. Just thank God for you, 
If your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, that's cool. And I'm just going to pray God's blessings upon you for being here today. Thank you, Lord, for every person that's here today. Thank you most of all, God, for your presence, the presence of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we need you, God. We, we need you so much. Our nation, our nation needs you, God. What a polarized, divided land in which we live. We need hope, God. We need grace. We need you, Lord, more than anything. And I thank you, God, that our hope is found in nothing less but Jesus, his blood, and his righteousness. So, Lord, we lean upon you today. We, we cast our burdens upon you because you care for us. Lord, there are many burdens, many needs represented in this congregation today, and I pray for us that, God, we would cast all of our cares upon you because we know that you care for us. Now, would you please help us, God? I know it's, it's going to be really difficult to compartmentalize, but today, would you help us, Lord, do that? That whatever is raging in our souls and in our spirits or maybe our marriages or our job or our finances, whatever's going on there, God, please help us be able to, just for a few moments, to be able to cast our eyes upon hope, upon Jesus Christ. And may you speak to us now, Lord, as we study you because we love you. We know in you there's hope, there's joy, there's peace, and there is love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came. A leper came and worshiped Jesus. And the leper said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and he touched him. And he said, I am willing be cleansed, and immediately, immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, see that? You tell no one, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. What's so fascinating to me about the setting of this is Jesus Christ just finished the most eloquent, powerful message, sermon, speech ever recorded in history. And you can read it, it's Matthew chapter five, six, and seven. And so the setting is multitudes, crowds, throngs of crowds on the mountainside, just west of the Sea of, the, of Galilee. Many of you went with us a few months ago. You saw that, I saw that. And you can envision it now in your mind's eye, the Sea of Galilee, the Western Bank there, and there's just this vast open area where thousands upon thousands of people have come to hear this new rabbi, this new teacher. He's different, he speaks differently. People listen to him more than they do the religious scribes and the Pharisees because he seems to care. I mean, he, he seems to really love people and he not just preaches eloquently, but my land, look at him. He heals people, he helps people. And so the word got out. And this is now the season of popularity. Jesus is a very popular person in Israel. And yet when he comes off of that mountain, the first person to greet him is a leper. And that just that, that astounds me because a leper, what will Jesus do? Has he become intoxicated with the throngs, with the crowds who are, who are just 
spellbound, holding on every word from his tongue. I mean, I mean, if you're not careful, that can kind of go to your head, right? I mean, really? I mean, you're speaking to thousands of people and they're all riveted upon you. And so he's speaking and he's preaching. And I imagine they're just going, wow, man, this guy's awesome. And he walks away and he's going down the mountain and here comes this leper. Well, what would Jesus do? What will he do for this leper? You know, I'm reminded that uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all talk about this, this story. And when you read the parallel text, you'll notice that after Jesus preaches the Sermon on the Mountain, Mount, he deals with this leper, and then he goes right into the wilderness to pray. And it's a beautiful template, a model for Christianity today. That yes, we're with the crowds, we love the crowds, we wanna help the crowds, but, but we also love the individual, that single solitary soul who is full. Luke says he doesn't just have leprosy, he's full of leprosy, and we'll talk about that and it'll grotesque you out in a moment, but I'm gonna explain what leprosy is. And then Jesus, I mean, he's so awesome, he, he goes from the crowd to the individual, and then he goes back into the Father's presence to receive his nourishment and his spiritual vitality and strength so that when you look at him again, he can go back to the crowds, back to the individuals and show us how we are to live our lives. And I just gotta be honest, I got, I got some ways to go on this because when I'm, um, when I'm in a, a rhythm and I've got something on my mind, it's like I get this real uh, blinders on, this real focus on. I know none of you deal with this. I know everybody's angelic and there's, there's no problems here today, but I'm telling you, I have a problem. And my problem is my strength is my weakness. My strength has been always been able to study and to be disciplined and to do what I need to do. And man, I'm a rule keeper and I do that. And, and when God says, let, let me interrupt that for a moment, I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, just, just don't be interrupting me, please. Cause I'm, I'm swimming and I, I have to swim this lane so many times. I've got to do this for an hour. I'm sure you understand that Lord. And God puts me beside a man who wants to talk. And he, he keeps, I'm in between laps, he goes, hey there. And, and I'm like, dude, swim, just keep going, swim. <laughs> and then I'm like, and then I'm swimming and the Holy Spirit's like, uh, maybe, maybe you need to talk to him. He might be your one. It's like, oh, I hadn't thought about that. Strangely enough, earlier that day, this was just a couple weeks ago, I had felt impressed of the Holy Spirit to do not go to the gym tonight, go this morning. I was like, I don't, I don't normally go in the morning. I, I've got my plan, I got things I got to do, but three distinct times I felt the Lord say, go swim this morning. You say, God really talks to you like that? Sometimes he does. And, and so I said, I'm gonna go. And even though God had told me three times and I'm swimming and God puts the guy right beside me, I still missed it until I just shook myself and I was like, okay, wait a minute. I said, sir, how are you? 73 years of age, he was moving back and forth. I said, dude, that's impressive. He says, always swim, young man, always swim. It's good for you. And I said, well, I gotta tell you something. And here it comes. I said, I felt three distinct times this morning 
that I was supposed to swim now, and I think you're the reason why God impressed upon me to swim in the morning. <laughs> I'll never forget what he said. He looked at me and he said, I very well may be. I very well may be. And I thought, I got to share with him, invited him to Great Hills Baptist Church. He didn't express a whole lot of interest until I said, could I just pray for you? You know, it's really rare that somebody would say, no, 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 don't pray for me. And so he let me pray for him. And so I just put my hand on his shoulder there in the pool, Lifetime Fitness at nine o'clock in the morning. And I'm just praying over him, but I almost missed it. And I think Jesus, he rubs off on us, right? I mean, he, he never missed that opportunity. He, he wasn't intoxicated with the crowds and the popularity. He, was, he, was, he spoke to them, he encouraged them, but he was always, his radar was always up looking for uh, the one. He preached, he healed, he helped, and then he went back into the wilderness and, and prayed. Luke 5, 16 tells us this. So he himself, same context, often withdrew into the wilderness and there he prayed. I heard a study done by my friend here, one of the pastors in Austin, and he shared it with our pastor group just, just a couple of months ago. And he said, he said, a study has been done and there is one common denominator for why the people in our churches do not share their faith or take advantage of the, of the opportunities that God gives them. And I thought, what is this? What study is this? And he said, without exception, the, the common denominator for when we as Christians fail to share our faith, fail to slow down and pray, the common denominator is we do not have a consistent time with Jesus in the morning. Because if you have that consistent quiet time, I don't know what y'all call it, tryst is a beautiful word. It's a, it's a meeting between two lovers the lover of our soul, Jesus Christ. And when we meet with him daily and commune with him, read his Bible, read his word, then it, it just recalibrates us back to, okay, this is why I'm here, God. I'm not here for me. I'm not here for my self-pleasure. I am here on a mission for you. And when we do that, we have a much more propensity and a proclivity to find our one. So this is the setting. Let me talk to you about the sickness for just a minute. And I warn you, this is gonna be hard to hear. Because the Bible says a leper met him. L.S. Hyzinga writes about leprosy, and this is what he says, how it affected the skin, and leprosy made the skin very thick and very scaly, especially around the eyes, and it caused the eyes and the face to, to swell. The fingers, okay, and the toes, before they fall off, they are, they're putrid, they're horrible, horribly look, looking to them. The leper also emitted a foul, unpleasant odor or smell. His larynx or throat was uh, deeply affected. So he had this grovelly, just coarse and a hoarse way of speaking. I don't know if you can see this guy now in your mind's eye, but this guy looks awful. He smells awful. He sounds like something out of the pit of hell. And here he comes, he, he runs into Jesus' presence and Jesus has just spoken to all of these multitudes, these crowds, and here comes this leper. What will he do? Will he say, excuse me, excuse me. Hey guys, y'all come over here and get this guy. I, 
you know, I, I, I got a reputation to maintain that. I, I got I to gotta be cool with the crowd. Y'all say, y'all come take care of this guy. That's precisely what Jesus did not do. He said, well, hello there, young man. And he engages him in a conversation. And I'm, that's, that's why he's so amazing. That's why we worship Jesus, because he's, he's unlike any other religious leader we've ever read about. You know, leprosy in the Bible had a, a strong connotation for sin. When you study it in the Old Testament, for example, Numbers 12, 10, and 11, Miriam was cursed by God with leprosy because she complained against the man of God, Moses. She complained and God cursed her with leprosy. And then in 1 Kings, 2 Kings 5, 7, to heal somebody of leprosy, was comparable to raising somebody from the dead because there was no cure. And if you were a leper, you were socially ostracized. You were placed outside the camp, if you will, right? And you remember Leviticus, you remember studying about leprosy and, and what that did, you were, you, you were physically mangled and messed up. You were spiritually isolated because surely you did something wrong. In many people's minds, you have leprosy because God's cursing you. And then socially, you have no friends. You're an outcast. And no matter how bad it is, here comes a leper. He sees Jesus and he, maybe he's heard him speak or maybe he's seen it in his eyes and he, he runs into his presence and he says, Oh, Lord, curios, not sir, how you doing, Rabbi? but it's the Lord, please have mercy on me. I want you to look at the study, uh, the text with me for just a moment. It says that he came and proskuneo Jesus, he worshiped him. And that is a powerful word. It means to literally bow down in verse two. And then he said, Lord, if you are willing, you can, in verse two, that, that Greek word can is dunamai. It's where we get our English word dunamis, power. Lord, if, if you can, if you have the power, will you cleanse me? Watch this. Three times the Greek word kartharetto, kartharetkatharsis. It's where we get the English word cathartic or to catharsis or to cleanse. Three times katharitso is used. And the second usage, it's in the imperative mood when Jesus says, be cleansed. Oh, y'all know what happened, don't you? He was touched by Jesus and he was healed. And not only was he healed completely, he was healed immediately. I remember a few years ago when we were uh, really just engaged in our unengaged people group. I always get emotional telling this story, but y'all have mercy on me, forgive me, because I know I'll get emotional. And we went to this home. There's a, there's a mom, a dad, and two kids. And maybe some of y'all were with me that, that day. I know some of us were, were in that room, some people from Great Hills. And this lady, they said, tell your story to the, to the pastor. And so she began to tell her story through the translator. And she said, I was sick unto death. I had no hope. I was demonically tormented. I was full. I don't know if y'all believe that or not, it, it, it's real. And you see it a whole lot more overseas than, than you do here. It's equally real here, but that's another sermon. Anyhow, she's sick. She's tormented. 
And, and she says, all these priests, all these Hindus, these leaders, these, uh, these holy men, they would come and they would pray over me and nothing, nothing would happen until a friend told me, I heard there's a man named Jesus. Maybe he can help. She's like, well, that's, that's, that, that's outside of, of, of our religion, you know? I mean, you know, Jesus is okay, but we've got all these other gods and goddesses that we worship. And somebody said, man, well, what do you, what do you have to lose? Just, just let the person come pray. And they came, they prayed, the demons fled, and she was immediately healed, and immediately, just like in the New Testament. And then she, it's a smattering of applause. That's all good, thank you. But then she led her husband to Christ. She leads her children to Jesus. And, and when you walk in, you don't see Ganesh and you don't see all of this pantheon of gods and idols and goddesses. You just see the cross. He's amazing. He heals, he helps, he intervenes when it seems like there's no, no hope. I like the way one writer puts this, and it's very powerful. So I have it in my notes to make sure I get it right. John MacArthur says these words, the leper came. He came with confidence because he believed Jesus was compassionate. He came with reverence because he believed Jesus was God. He came with humility because he believed Jesus was sovereign. And he came with faith because he really believed, believed that Jesus had the power to heal him. Next, as we look at the study in verse 3, we look at the Savior, and I just, it's all about Jesus. He put his hand, put out his hand, and he touched him. Oh, he touched me. Y'all remember that song? Oh, he touched me. And all the joy that floods my soul. Y'all remember that? Something happened, and now I know Jesus touched me and made me whole. And he did. He touched him, and boom, the leprosy was gone, and there Jesus is. And it's like, there's no crowd. There's no multitude. It's no looking over the shoulder, seeing who's watching me, who's not watching me. It's just Jesus and him. And in that moment, the leprosy just evaporates. It just leaves. And when those, those fingers and toes are about to fall off, they, they automatically take upon a flesh like a little baby. And there he is in his right mind and with his right body. Jesus, he touched him and he's healed. I'm so amazed at the power of a touch. I was reading Psychology Today uh, the other day. It's a recent article. And the author, that the whole article was on loneliness and how loneliness has reached epidemic proportions in our country. Part of it is social media. It's isolated us. It's turned us inward. I mean, we can't have a conversation anymore without checking our text or our Facebook or Instagram or Twitter and all that has its place. But really, it, there's really no substitute for just face-to-face, shoulder-to-shoulder community communication with one another. Anyhow, this author, she says, if you want to help people with loneliness, do these five things. And I'll give you two of them. One, she said, talk to people. <laughs> she said, talk to people. She said, you never know 
what that person's dealing with. And I'm reminded of that quote out of the movie, Wonder, everybody is fighting their battle. So talk to them. And then this, she said this, she said, touch them. And I know we gotta be very, very careful in this highly, highly sensitized culture in which we live, and I get that. But she said there's something absolutely therapeutic and powerful. And I'm talking about just, just a touch on the elbow. Lady, you're talking to some other lady and, you're, and, and you just see there's hurt and there's loneliness and there's pain. And, and you just reach out and you just touch. There's something, it, it actually emits these, it sends off these, um, these hormones in people's bodies. And it, it's amazing, just the power of a physical touch. Sir, you see somebody, I ain't gonna touch nobody, I ain't gonna hug nobody, I'm no hugger. Get over that and just reach out and, and hug somebody. You know, you don't know. You don't know what they're dealing with. They could be really, really suffering. And I thought, wow, isn't it amazing how psychology today is caught up with the Bible. Isn't that cool? <laughs> Jesus touched him. And then uh, finally today is the silence. There's a silent movie going on here. It's, it's so fascinating when Jesus said in verse four, now go, don't tell anybody, <laughs> but present yourself to the priest and offer a, the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. When you go to Leviticus 14, 10 through 18, you understand the, the gift, you understand the offering the lamb and, and all that's entailed in that because you, you, you're over your leprosy, you make your offering and watch this, the priest then pronounces you clean. You can come back now. Hey, whatever you had, it's gone and we're grateful because you're not contagious and you don't look so bad now, you don't smell so bad, you, you, you just changed, come on back. I pronounce, woo, blessings over you. Now here's something interesting. When Jesus told that man, you need to go on and do what the Old Testament said. Remember he said, I didn't come to destroy the law, I come to fulfill it. So when, G when that man would go to the priest in Jerusalem and say, hey, it's, it's me. And the priest is gonna go, what in the world? I've seen you, I know you, what happened to you? And he'll have to say, Jesus. And so in that moment, Jesus is telling him, go, and he's going to vindicate him. He's going to exonerate Jesus before the religious establishment. It's a beautiful thing here. And so he's fulfilling the law, but he's doing more than that. He's testifying. He's given a martyrion is the Greek word. I'm, he's given a, 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 a declaration of faith. And what has happened to him only came through the transformative power of Jesus Christ. And so therefore, the religious establishment would have to officially confirm Jesus Christ. Interesting. Why did he say, don't tell nobody? Well, when you read Mark's parallel account, it's, it's very vivid. In fact, there's, there's this study called uh, the secret and uh, the gospel of Mark, because many times Jesus would say, don't, don't tell anybody. And the reason he did is simply because, well, let me read it to you. However, this man, the same leper, this is Mark's gospel, not Matthew's. He went out and he began to proclaim it freely after Jesus expressly said, don't do that. And he spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city. Do you understand now why Jesus told him, shh, don't, don't say anything now. But Jesus was outside in a desert, deserted place. He, he can't even walk about freely anymore. And now they came to him from every 
uh, direction. It's very fascinating to me. It's very ironic that the people that Jesus told not to tell, told, and the people he tells today to tell, we don't tell. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that, isn't that interesting? The people he said back then, don't, don't tell. They're like, I'm telling everybody. Woo and us with salvation and with glory and with an empty tomb, we can look back in a Bible that is full of God's precious promises and a heaven that awaits us, we don't tell. Now, I just find that fascinating. So I wanna close with just a few practical points that I hope this will help you as it's helped me as I've been wrestling with this text and being convicted by this text and, and just interacting with it. I, there's three things I wanna share with you and I, I do hope that it helps you. The first one is this, don't let your popularity uh, prevent you from doing the right thing. I call it popularity prevention. Popularity prevention is when we're just too cool for my shirt. You know, I'm just too, I'm just too this, I'm just too that. And, I, and, and I'm concerned because people might be watching me. And I can't really, I can't really associate with that guy or that girl because, man, I got, I'm in with the gang, you know, with the, with the cool gang. Or, man, I just preach to the multitudes and who's got time to hang out with that guy? Don't smell very good. <laughs> Don't let that happen. Don't let our popularity or our prestige or our privilege or our prominence or our power or whatever you want to call it, don't let that usurp us and, and, and diminish the, the, the reason we're here. And that's to help everybody, even those that everybody else would discard, the socially outcasts, those who are emitting a foul, malodorous scent about them. If you're so cool and and you're just so the gift of God to all humanity, you're going to overlook an opportunity. And I'm so glad Jesus didn't do that. He gave us a beautiful example. Second thing is just do the right thing. Just do the right thing. Be real. Be transparent. Have integrity. If God ever allows you or me to have a significant influence with a crowd of people who watch and admire us. And when a less desirable approaches us, what we do next determines our genuine relationship with God or not. Because with Jesus, church, family, it's all about the one. It's about the person that he is going to bring into your life this very week. Who knows, they may have a, that may, may not smell very good or they may smell amazing. They may look like they've got it all figured out. They may, they may be up and out, they may be down and out, but they're both out in Great Hills Baptist Church. You, you are the church and you're going out into the highways and the byways of life and God puts you right beside them. What will you do? What will I do? Well, I keep swimming to the Holy Spirit. I say, wake up, look. I hope you're, I hope you're not as stubborn, as hard-headed as I am. So finally, when it gets through to me, I'm good. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. That's why I'm supposed to be doing this. So do, do it, do the right thing. It may just be, hey, can I pray for you? Hey, I want to invite you to my church. You know, yesterday, you know, Friday, I was swimming again and guys beside me again started talking to me. I'm serious. Don't talk in the pool, swim. And he was like talking to me and I was like, 
okay, how's it going? And, and this guy just started talking and I just kept swimming again. This was Friday, he, but this time I was ready. It didn't take as, as long. And I just started talking to the guy. And then he was finished. I ended up walking outside behind the guy in the parking lot and we had a conversation. I said, hey, let me, let me invite you to my church. Do you have a church? He said, no, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm interested in a non-denominational church, but more than that, I'm really interested in a church that preaches the Bible. I said, well, I said, I, I wanted to say that's, that's all we do. I mean, that's, that's all we have. That's, that's the best we got, you know, and, but I had a great conversation with him and his precious daughter. And he may be here today. I hope you are here today. The last thing I want to share with you is touch the untouchables. Love. Love the unlovely in Jesus' name. Their heads bowed and their eyes closed. Can I, can I pray for you and pray for me? And I just want to say, as you bow your heads and close your eyes, we, we do thank you for coming today. We're, we're grateful to God and that some of you stumbled upon Great Hills Baptist Church and you didn't know what to expect. But you, there was a serendipitous moment. Maybe you were pleasantly surprised and, and we're grateful to God for that and we're glad that you are here. I don't know what your need is. I, I, I'm not omniscient, but I know who is and, and I'm glad that you're here. And I'm praying for you right now that young lady, young man, senior adult, child, whoever you are, that you will come into contact with the Savior, touched by the hand of the Master. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, can, can I just pray this prayer for you? Father in heaven, I pray in the name of Jesus that just as you healed and helped, and just as you made a profound difference in people's lives then, I'm praying by the power of your spirit, you'll make a difference today. Person that's lonely, God, may they experience the touch of God today. The person that's confused or the person that Lord is living a lifestyle that's not healthy, it's not your best for them, I, I pray for them. And God, I thank you so much that no matter what we're going through, no, no matter how hard it is, if we will only look to you, you will certainly look to us and you will help us. You have the dunamis, you have the power to change us. So help us do our part. God, thank you that you always do your part. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, you may be new at, at Great Hills and uh, I've been the pastor here. My name is Danny. I've been here for about eight years and every single service, almost every time, at this time, it's about 12 o'clock and we stand and we sing and then there'll be people here at the front and, and there's no pressure, but we invite you if you wanna come, if you wanna come and pray at the altar, this place is sacred, it's open for you. You say, well, if I come, it's not sacred anymore because I'm gonna taint it with my sin. You come, you come. That's why we're here. We, we want to minister, we wanna serve, we wanna help. So you come, let us pray for you. Maybe you're here today and you, man, you're ready to take your next step. Your next significant spiritual step would be to maybe find community in, in life here with this church. It's a great church. And I don't say that because I'm the pastor, because these people are amazing. They love God and they will love you. 
They will share the truth with you, but they will love you. And so you come. Next week, we're going to start a Discover Great Hills, another new members class. And you, we invite you to come to that. So, Father, thank you again. I, I pray now for this invitation that, uh, Lord, your will would be done. Lives would be changed. Your kingdom would expand. And the lepers, Lord, and their soul will be touched and made white and clean. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. God bless you. Would you stand with me, please, as we sing?